Now I have with me today therapist and uh, specialising in relationship counselling, it's Valerie Ellis. Hello Valerie. Hello Graham. Good to have you along to the studio today and uh, we're here to talk all about SAD, the season to be sad. That's right. So what is SAD all about? Well it sounds cute doesn't it? I think people know it's actually short for seasonal affective disorder and even though it has a cute name it actually is fairly serious. It's a subtype of major depressive disorder. Right, okay. So so how does it manifest itself then? Well, major depressive disorder is something we diagnose through symptoms like low mood, being unhappy, low motivation, low energy, the inability to concentrate, insomnia, so not being able to sleep, or hypersomnia, which is sleeping too much. People gain or lose weight because their appetite goes up and down. And I suppose the classic thing that people think of is pessimistic thoughts, thinking negatively. Right. And that's major depression. SAD, seasonal affective disorder, has some unique qualities to it. In particular, it tends to manifest as sleeping more rather than sleeping less. Right, yes, because some depression can lead to less sleep. Actually, insomnia, that's yes. right. Yeah, so SAD tends to be mean you sleep more. You, you, you have an increase in appetite. And in particular, I find this fascinating because I actually experience this when the weather gets cooler, carbohydrate craving. Right, okay. So in particular, like potatoes, yeah. chips, cakes, biscuits. I, I can usually resist carbohydrates in the summertime, but in winter I feel this urge to eat them. So... Seasonal affective disorder induces carbohydrate craving as well, which usually then makes you gain weight, (laughs) unfortunately. Uh, One of the other interesting symptoms is something that's called leaden paralysis. What's that? It's interesting. It sounds fascinating, doesn't it? Leaden. Leaden paralysis, which is people report their limbs feel incredibly heavy and difficult to lift like they're made of lead and oh really uh, yes but it's not true of course but well, it's, no is it, is it the muscles getting weaker or it, it's a lack of it's actually a lack of dopamine and serotonin the chemicals that actually create motivation uh but that what people report personally is something that's referred to as lead and paralysis my limbs feel so heavy i can barely lift them yes because I can, I can feel see that mentally you may feel depressed and, mm. and lack you know get up and go mm. but it's actually then has a physical manifestation as well absolutely and i th- the old models of mental illness were sort of built around this idea that will buck up this is a lack of character and a lack of stiff upper lip mm. and in fact as science reveals constantly these things are not imaginary they are actually have a chemical base to them right yes yeah. so, so really what, what's the factors that sort of contribute to this then well there's some ideas that it might be genetic so for example in iceland so actually let me go back a step seasonal affective disorder of course is associated with winter which is an, the idea that it gets colder and darker so the further north you go, the bigger the problem? In theory, <laughs> right. in theory. And in America, for example, in, uh, let's say, Florida, the incidence of seasonal affective disorder is 1% in the population. As you graduate around the globe up the lines of latitude, I think it is, yeah. the, it goes up into to a place called Maine, which is near Canada, and it's 9%. But the percentage literally rises gradually as the, lo- the latitude increases. So, yes, in most cases, the further north you get the darker and the colder you get the more incidence there is Mm. of this however in iceland it's very rare 
Really? Is, that, is a, that because it is so dark all the time? I don't know. Well, this is so. This is when you say, "Are there any factors?" This is yeah. the question. How fascinating that people who should have this more don't. Yeah. So, the speculation on that one is that people in Iceland may have a genetic. Ah, uh, oh, right. Prejudice. Yeah. Protection factor. Protection so potentially factors. that population has some genetics in their favour. Because you're talking about nine or ten percent in Maine. You know, obviously, why is the other ninety percent not affected? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, there, there's also the, the potential uh, proposition that it's cultural. So it might just be that ice, people in Iceland mm. have more get up and go. That they, they, they're outdoorsy kind of people, whereas Europeans in America tend to go indoors when it gets cold. There's also the, probably the most interesting one is that it, people in Iceland eat a lot of fish, and fish has two particular things in it that are considered to be protective: omega three fatty acids and vitamin D. Right. And both of those increase dopamine and serotonin, and those two brain chemicals are particularly low when you have seasonal affective disorder. So potentially eating a lot of fish, a lot of fish, mm. may protect you. Mm. And people in Iceland, when they go to the doctor, did you know that one of the questions doctors ask in Iceland is, are you taking your cod liver oil? Really? Yes. I can remember as a youngster having cod liver oil. I knew you'd say that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I think orange tablets as well or something, vitamin C, I suppose. Absolutely. So, So how do you manage all this then? Well, when it's, as I say, a proper diagnosable Uh, mental illness that a psychiatrist should be managing medication is something that people use that is used to increase dopamine and serotonin so it directly attempt to correct the chemical imbalance we can also use cognitive therapy so uh, a psychologist Aaron Beck noticed that when he was talking to people with depression they would tell a, a particular story from their life when they were having depressive symptoms the story would be described in way worse terms than perhaps at a time of year when they weren't having a depressive episode. So he made what seems to us now an obvious connection that if when you're depressed, you're likely to think more negatively, but also as you think more negatively, you increase your depression. So there's a feedback loop with that. And you can interrupt that with cognitive therapy, which is choosing to oppose what are called ants. And ants are automatic negative thoughts. So if you've got the ants in the mind, you can stamp on the ants with just having a more optimistic attitude, challenging your automatic negative thoughts with more positive thoughts. So cognitive therapy is another way to manage. Right, okay. A diet, I guess, then? Absolutely. So this falls under the heading of behavioural management. So diet is one of the things that you can do. It's actual, an actual behavior that you can implement to help correct things. There's also exercise and socializing. So here's the interesting thing that's easy to overlook. People associate seasonal affective disorder with a lack of light. But think about what happens when you have a lack of light. You stay indoors, you don't exercise, and you don't socialize with people. Right, yes, less opportunity to be out and about meeting people. That's yeah. right. And all of those things actually increase dopamine and serotonin. Right. Exercise, socialising and a healthy diet all address the chemical imbalance that happens with seasonal affective disorder. Mm. So by doing those practical things, you're actually doing a kind of self-medication. Right, okay. 
I guess does this all go back evolutionary to how we were you know, in caves and so on? And uh, that's exactly right. Living naturally, and uh, and of course the daylight and night time was a trigger when you went to sleep and woke up. No, no artificial lights in those days. You're completely correct. I know for me, when it gets darker and cooler, my mood goes down. I it's more difficult for me to exercise. And I, like I said before, I, carb cra- I crave carbs as well. And, but in the past, even 100 or 200 years ago, so we're not talking tens of thousands of years of ago. Of course, yes. We're only talking in our grandparents' yes. time. Yeah. There, you just didn't have the option of driving everywhere, sitting behind a computer. You had to get up, get out, and get on with life. And exercise and socialising and eating healthily, not McDonald's 200 years ago, but actual food, would have protected you, and these are the evolutionary factors that would have protected us again 10,000 years ago. You right. had to get out and, yes. and make your life work, didn't you? Okay, yes, indeed, mm. yeah. But even then, going back, then the, we, we had shorter days and longer winters in the wintertime, didn't we? Longer nights in the wintertime, so mm. people were coping with that. Mm. But they didn't get the, Well, we don't know whether they had sad, do we, I suppose? Well, here's something <laughs> else interesting to think about, that, and there's a... I think it's from a Greek, a Greek historian uh, was writing 600 AD, so over a thousand years ago, 600 AD. He wrote what's uh, what was called the history of the Goths, and they're far northern Europeans. And scholars have looked at that text, and they think they've identified him describing seasonal affective disorder among the Goths. Interesting. 600 AD. Right, that's interesting, isn't it? Isn't it? Just from what they're saying, not that they didn't Yeah, just realize. his description. Yeah, okay, yeah. Absolutely. So potentially, yes, people have suffered from this for a while, hmm. but our lifestyle takes away the protective factors that we used to have even in our grandparents' time. Our lifestyle keeps us indoors, not exercising, not socialising. Right, okay. So we need to do all those things, don't we? Uh, we do. What's the one thing then you'd recommend? If there is one thing you do, if whether you have serious sad or just the general kind of slumpiness of winter, it would be this. Get out of the house. Right. Unless there's six foot of snow. It's as simple as that. <laughs> yes, yeah. Get out of the house. Get out of the house. Yeah, yes. yeah. Don't just stay in there. No. Right, okay. Uh, and so what are the preventative factors then? Well, something you can do to address more tightly that idea of serotonin and dopamine that's not something we can normally do ourselves directly we if you don't if you don't have a proper diagnosis you can't go to a chemist and get anything that would do that but you can increase your own serotonin and dopamine with your own choices so for example dopamine can be increased by massage being touched it's it's boosted by being touched similarly i hope your audience won't mind me mentioning uh, perhaps making love right, does yes. a similar thing. Okay, yes, yes. <laughs> that increases yes, dopamine. Mean, yeah. uh, light levels, so people will be aware, I'm sure, already that you can buy a, a 10,000 lux light box and use that as light therapy in your own home. You can have what are called success experiences. So when you've had success, that boosts your serotonin because you're, you're enjoying your success and literally dopamine and serotonin is released in the brain because you're enjoying a successful experience. It could be as simple as completing a puzzle um, or as serious as winning a deal at work. Right, okay, yeah, but it would just give you a boost. 
It does. You, you need to choose a boost. So, for example, what I have experienced myself is in the evening, if I watch a movie that's very philosophical and a little bit, little bit poignant... Mm. It, I can feel the effect it has on me, dampens my mood. Yes, I do. So I've actually made a choice myself at the end of the day. I choose to watch comedy. I choose to watch something that will, I know will make me laugh. And it actually works. It, it, by laughing and amusing myself, I know that I'm releasing serotonin and dopamine in my brain and yeah. I'm protecting myself yeah. from the challenges around me. How, how I knew I was going wrong. I always watch Newsnight before going That's to That's exactly the thing. <laughs> People know this. It makes you feel misery, miserable, I did, I doesn't did, it? I knew that I was going wrong That's right. somewhere, yeah. And, and I think we, we, those things, it seems sort of noble to watch mm. serious things like the news mm. and, and, and frivolous to watch comedies. Watch, mm. Choose to watch comedies is mm. actually pre- preventative mm. or protective, rather, of your mental health. Funny enough, uh, Jenna, Jennifer Anderson from Friends was saying, apparently the other day at a summer awards ceremony, that what really pleased her when she started doing Friends she got these letters coming in from people saying it really cheered them up they were going through a bad time in their life something had happened and it, and it just uplifted them you it, know, and, she, and she just felt you know, so, so happy that that was the case That's exactly it it seems frivolous and unimportant but actually what's more important than having good mental health in order to achieve what you do want to achieve in life Right and what you've got to say really is spring will soon be here <laughs> I suppose I think it, I think Having an optimistic attitude, looking to the future and what good things are coming is a good idea. Mm. But what can I do today to Mm. improve my mood? Mm. The other thing I want to mention is something that people can actually do practically themselves. So this week when you go shopping, here's the food that you can put on your shopping list that will increase dopamine in the brain. So you've got everyone got pencils and pens? Right, here we go then. Here's the food that you can buy to increase dopamine. Avocados. Oh, I do like avocados. Eat as many as you like. Yeah. Bananas. Yeah. Green tea. Leafy green vegetables. Yeah. Lima beans. Yeah. Almonds. Yeah. And pumpkin seeds. Now, there's others. If you if you want to, you can Google dopamine yes. foods. Mm-hmm. But eating those will give you the the chemical in the food that the body then makes into dopamine. How clever. Hmm. Right, good stuff. Well, Valerie, that's been some great advice there. Thanks for telling us all about SAD and how we can maybe cope with it. And uh, if uh, people want to find out more, I know you've got a website. I do. I specialise in relationship counselling in particular. And you could go to com. I'm on Facebook. That's a website. There's Instagram. Anywhere online, if you type Very Valerie Ellis, I will come up. Well, thank you very much, Valerie, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. That's Valerie Ellis, therapist specialising in relationship counselling. 